Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to the In the Clouds podcast. This is Bobby Tishy along with co-host Cole Fisher. We got a couple of special guests on today where we're going to dive into the topic of sports and Salesforce Marketing Cloud. So really highlighting how sports teams and the sports industry has come quite a long way in their digital marketing efforts and how they're utilizing Salesforce Marketing Cloud as a technology to do that. Um, so uh, first, I'd like to introduce Ryan McCambridge. Uh, Ryan, if you just wouldn't mind saying a few words, I know you've been on the pod before, but if you wouldn't mind doing a brief intro, that'd be great. Thanks, Bobby. You know, glad to be here. Uh, really excited. This is a, a topic that I think uh, really has a lot of interest to me. So I'm just glad to be with this brain trust to talk a little bit more about what we're seeing and, and just really how the industry as a whole is changing. So thanks again for having me on. Looking forward to the, for the content. Yeah, for sure. And then we've also got Abby Sullivan on, who is a account director here at Lev. Abby, why don't you give yourself a brief intro too? Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. I'm a former Salesforce client turned account director at Lev for about two and a half years. And most of my projects are across a pretty large tech stack, uh, especially cross cloud in the Salesforce space. And I have a number of clients in professional sports and I try to uh, walk the walk. So I also have NHL and MLS season tickets. So I know quite a bit about that too. Awesome. Thanks again for joining guys. So Cole, I'd like you to start of just a high level of kind of where we've come. For those of you who don't know, sports teams um, historically have really kind of been, I don't want to say uh, low spenders, but I think a lot of times we think about them as these multi-million dollar contracts with the athletes that they serve, but really on kind of the more business side of it, it's a completely different story. So Cole, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit there, that'd be great. Yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of traditionally, that's what we've seen. And so it's, it's been relatively low budget. Um, really, leagues and networks are, are kind of the main drivers for viewership. And so when it comes down to the individual team level, um, they, they're really not, uh, you know, the big slice of that pie when it comes to budget for those, for those teams or franchises. And uh, you know, if you ask teams or, you know, the marketing departments within teams, it's always, uh, you know, what's the, what's the top level KPI? What's the driver? What's, what puts the bonus check in, you know, in everybody's uh, back pocket by the end of the year? And it's, it's always butts and seats. It's how traditionally it's always, always been. Um, but lately we've seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of change and we're hearing lots of really cool and innovative stories about what teams are doing, what, um, you know, kind of wild innovations are taking place. Um, you know, we've seen things that are, are still kind of at the, the league and network level, um, you know, colleges and conferences that are televising individual networks and things like that. But now we're seeing teams kind of step out from underneath this umbrella um, and, and really take charge in driving their own innovations, really updating their tech stacks, things like that, and no longer really relying on 
old tech to get things done. And so I guess, Ryan, I would pose to you, what's kind of the main driver for some of this change and why are we seeing this new approach that teams are taking? Yeah, thanks, Cole. I, I think ultimately when it comes down to it, these organizations are seeing that they're being left behind and that their customers expect more. And so ultimately the change is, is being driven by the necessity to be relevant. And there are teams and clubs that are willing to take the opportunity to drive that change and in innovation. And they're moving further ahead of their peer groups. And what's interesting is you will find out in this industry is that um, a lot of clubs do what other clubs do and they're very aware and they're very tightly knit and they have conversations with um, the, the sister clubs and uh, of their leagues quite often. And so as they hear about these innovations that are coming and these things that these clubs are doing, they, their interests are significantly peaked and their ears stand up and they want to understand why are you doing that? How are you doing that? What are the outcomes that you're actually getting from that? Um, and so at the end of the day, you're seeing a lot of this take off now because you're seeing clubs really start to see the impact of driving innovation in their, in their prospective markets. Now, how you get there is, has been a real challenge. Um, like you said, traditionally, there hasn't been a lot of budget that has been given for these kinds of um, initiatives within these organizations. But because they are such a, um, an industry that really prides itself on keeping up with uh, the others in their leagues, you're seeing more buy-in from ownership. And that's hugely important to make sure that these things are actually happening so that you can make sure that you're not only succeeding um, at the tactical level, but also at the, the strategic and ownership level. And why is it so important that you get buy-in? It's because a lot of these clubs actually have multiple different properties or clubs that live underneath them. And so having a strategy that brings all these different teams that have different KPIs and use cases and P&Ls together and saying, hey, together, we're gonna be stronger, right? Um, is, is super important to making sure that this happens. And, and one of the things that's really trying to underpin a lot of this is figuring out how to weave loyalty programs into these organizations and saying, hey, since we are so many different things to a single person, how do we understand who that single person is? Um, it's really a unique concept that these clubs and these leagues are really trying to wrap their hands around to figure out, hey, how do we bring better experiences to um, our customers by knowing more about what our customers like and what they like to do. And then the last thing I'll add is the employee experience is, is really key to, to tying all this together. So making their sales teams, making their customer experience teams, their premium sales teams uh, more effective and more aware of who their customers are. Even think of like at the usher level, knowing who's walking into this, to the arena is critically important because at the end of the day, not only are these people spending a lot of their own money to get in, but they're spending tremendous amounts of their time uh, with these organizations. So it's quite interesting to see how the, the landscape is playing out. 
Um, and you'll start to see there are certain leagues and organizations that are doing it better than others. And Bobby, I know you're spending quite a bit of time um, talking to a lot of these organizations. What, what are you seeing as far as uh, who's, who's really innovating and those that are really kind of lagging behind? Yeah, I think it piggybacks on what you were mentioning earlier, where these organizations are starting to pivot and starting to realize that they've got to serve their customers in a, in a different and unique way. And like we kind of, I kind of bucketed these into three main elements, you know, innovators, leaders, and laggards. And one of the biggest innovators that we've worked with uh, for quite some time now are the esports leagues. And th these are primarily uh, either the, the teams themselves are usually, to Ryan, your point, are multifaceted, right? The owners of an esports team typically own another team in another league at some element. And so one portion of that that I'm, I'm curious to get your feedback on is, especially as we think about loyalty, do you think there will ever be a scenario where, especially now where one owner or one group owns a number of different teams, do you think loyalty will ever span those teams? Or do you think it's such a, you know, such an emotional and personal thing to be a fan of a team that it's kind of better to be separated? Abby, I, I'll ask for your opinion here after this, but ultimately I think it has to, right? And I think that um, as these organizations dig deeper, and Abby, I know that you've, you've been going through some of these exercises um, with, with some of the clubs you're working with, they're, they're realizing that the fandom actually does brought, you know, reach across multiple properties that those organizations own. And then where it really gets interesting is when you think about sports and fandom, it really, this householding approach is kind of a unique thing to kind of deconstruct. So you might have a father, we can use MSG for example, who's a diehard Ranger fan, and then have a son or daughter who loves CLG, which is an esports team that, uh, that competes in League of Legends. And so stitching and tying all of that stuff together to understand, hey, how can we get maximum value out of this family and bring experiences to that family is just that is that is the silver bullet. So from my perspective, it's gonna be hugely critical um, for loyalty to cover all of those things. And then even as you start to think down into things like food and beverage and in, in venue things that, that really will matter as well. So as you think at the macro level, just the teams and, and, and ticket purchases and attending events, then get down to the, the micro level of, merchandise, food and beverage, um, those kinds of things. It's, it's really, really compelling the story that you can start to put together and really um, you can start to see how much untapped potential these clubs have. Yeah, thanks for that. I know, Abby, we're going to talk about fan engagement here in just a second, which I think I'll piggyback off of that. But just to finish the thought about the leagues and the teams who, who we feel that are really above and beyond in that innovator group, I feel like the NBA has really made a, made it a point not only as a league but within the teams themselves um, to be more digitally focused and then uh, one of the things that I think is uh, a little bit sad just based on the time that we're in because they've had to shut their doors is the XFL really went above and beyond to build out that digital component uh, as part of engaging with their fans and as a brand new league um, and a lot of that was actually built on Salesforce um, to utilize not only um, the marketing club piece but also other pieces of the platform too to make sure that they had this kind of 360 degree, degree view of their fan and of their customer 
So I, I think just to kind of touch on esports quickly, there's one other thing here is that the, while um, the the I think the big element why they've been so successful or so ahead of their time is that they didn't really have these kind of old school types of what I'll call owners, right? I think a lot of times when we think about the traditional four leagues there that we've got owners that have been around for a really long time. Um, you know, this was the sports team was almost a side business for them. It was just kind of a hobby um, rather than an actual initiative um, or something that they really focus their time on, which is why I think esports has been such a big hit with a lot of the things that they've been doing digitally. Um, the NFL and NHL, I'm still doing a good job here. I think the NFL benefits from just being such a big machine that they're still just a little bit behind. Um, I did think that the NFL draft um, that they did virtually uh, end of last week was done really well um, amid everything that um, they would have to face technologically. Um, but as far as you know, digital marketing is concerned, I still think they have a little bit of ways to go um, along with the NHL. And then those kind of who we feel like are a little bit behind uh, and you would kind of, uh, kind of think, of, think about these and say maybe it makes sense is like the MLB, the PGA Tour, and the MLS. I think the MLS is is trying to get to a point where they're more digitally focused um, and more fan engagement focused, but definitely on the MLB and the golf side, um, they've kind of, you know, I don't want to say taken a step back, but just haven't moved forward the way that some of these other leagues have. And uh, one of the biggest leagues in the world that I can't believe we haven't mentioned the American Cornhole League, uh, you know, I haven't really seen much digital marketing from them. So, uh, but uh um, Abby, as we kind of think about these different leagues and how they're engaging with their fans, it'd be great to get your perspective on the the tech stack, the engagement, the technology that's actually behind some of these different types of engagements and what these teams are using. Yeah, absolutely. I most often see the most critical piece being that single view of the fan where your data from a number of different sources is easily accessible to Ryan's point, to someone maybe like a seat usher, to someone in in-venue experience, to ticket sales. And so that's your CRM. And we most often see in Salesforce land, especially the sales cloud product being that really key single view of that fan or prospective fan. Um, you have the service cloud pr platform for the in or in and out of venue fan experience to make sure that you are taking everything that you know about that person and, and serving them based on who they are and what you know. And then in terms of promoting your brand, outreach to the fan, the brand communication and understanding their preferences, especially those that they've opted to tell you about, the marketing cloud platform for email, social, mobile, both SMS and mobile push, we're seeing brands use to make sure that all of their marketing efforts are cohesive coming out of the same platform, but also with really a, a single streamlined brand experience. And then something that's relatively new and the NBA is really picking up on pretty quickly is uh, a product like a DMP in Salesforce World, that's Audience Studio. And they're using this in a number of different ways, especially to identify new fans and what those fans are interested in. And then also to discuss with their sponsors a better understanding of who's seeing some of those sponsorship or partnership materials. Um, they have fans who are interested in superheroes, for example, or specific brands of beer. They own different types of pets or they drive pickup drivers. And Audience Studio enables these organizations to understand even 
more thoroughly what their fans are interested in to have more advanced partnership experiences. And then you have, of course, the, the retail side. This is different per league. We most often see Commerce Cloud and Fanatics managing that online retail experience. And then also, of course, critical to understanding all of this is your ticket inventory and sales management. So we're most often seeing Ticketmaster is the ticketing platform of choice. And then there are other platforms like Core, Core with a K and SSB that can help enable the facilitation of bringing that data from the, the source of truth, um, in, in this case, Ticketmaster, into uh, the CRM platform. Do you find that a lot of these uh, teams are like have an actual data management or an integration strategy as part of making sure all of these different things are connected? Or do you still think it's kind of a, not a hodgepodge, but it's still, they're, they're just figuring out these integrations as they go rather than having an overall data or integration strategy? Yeah, I think I would echo the, the sentiment where we offered up the NBA to be really at the forefront of this. So there are a number of different places from which you can be bringing data in. Ticketing is key, service is key. And I think the NBA teams that we're working with, especially the Pacers, are identifying and implementing a really comprehensive strategy to use really just a select number of platforms to bring that data into CRM to have that single view. Um, so MuleSoft is at play there to integrate into um, the Ticketmaster database and bring that data into CRM and just make sure that there's really a, a single pipeline to bring all that information in so that you don't just have really spit and band-aids connecting things to, uh, to try to see all that data in one spot. And I think it's something that we see companies in general struggle with, right? So I'm not surprised to hear that there are a few that are at the forefront and few that haven't gotten there yet. I think that's pretty consistent with the folks that we work with as well. So um, thinking about the teams and kind of, you know, we've got this tech stack and, you know, some are more advanced than others. But as we think about the people who are employed to support this internally, whether it's at the team or they're working with a consultancy, whatever that might look like, what do the teams um, look like to support these different technologies? I think the teams I've worked with that are at the forefront of understanding their fans and being able to better communicate with them, they all have buy-in and support from the top down. And it's absolutely critical, I think, that the whole organization is invested in this move to better understand the fans and especially move to more digital channels of communication. So that is key from ownership all the way down to understand the value of investing in digital and investing in tech for the fan experience. And then from ownership down, I think it's critical to have a product owner on the digital or customer experience teams who understands the platform, but can also build relationships with all of the different business stakeholders. So you have a product owner who can really communicate very well with premium experiences, ticket sales, sponsorships, in-venue service, because that's how you bring all those groups along and get them using the technologies that you're investing in to offer the better fan experiences. You can build those relationships and understand what each of their respective teams is trying to do. For the most part, these are pretty lean teams. We've talked about budget a number of times. Um, and so we do see that you typically have an owner of the platform or platforms. Um, you may have 
some administrators or maybe one business analyst who's helping to better understand those use cases. But because there are really big aspirations in what the, the leagues and teams want to be able to do, we're typically almost always seeing a partnership with a consultancy or agency to help implement some of that work because there is so much work based on how quickly these teams and leagues are trying to get up to speed. And to accelerate that, it's, it's really helpful to have another set of hands who um, are experts in the platform. I think that's a really good point. And uh, Cole, I'd like to get your perspective here on what other industries can learn from the sports industry. I think one that comes to top of mind for me is exactly what Abby just mentioned around executive and leadership sponsorship. I think a lot of times when customers ask us, you know, in situations like these where we're starting a project, what's the biggest failure point? And a lot of times it can be attributed back to not having a leadership or executive sponsor, but Cole would love to hear what you think other industries could take from sports as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point as well. Um, just kind of that internal alignment and understanding and defining goals ahead of time. Um, but I think as well, there's we're, we're seeing this, uh, you know, when we talked about that traditional model of old sports marketing and how that was kind of top-down driven and leagues and networks are driving down. Um, and we're, we're seeing now teams step out from under and kind of drive a bottom up. And what they're seeing is a really symbiotic relationship because you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of leagues that are adopting this sort of no team left behind mentality because what's, what's good for one team is better for teams across the board. And so there's not a zero sum um, rationale behind fanaticism or, uh, you know, general fandom of, of a team. You know, if, if one team is successful, then that will bleed over, you know, what, not just in attendance and viewership and things like that, but an overall engagement for all teams. So there's kind of this, um, you know, burgeoning sense of co-opetition where teams may actually compete on the field or, you know, on the court or whatever. But what we're, what we're actually seeing is um, this sort of copycat model that is really mutually beneficial across the board. Um, and so I, I, as we see one team has have really good ideas or really innovative solutions um, or fun events or things like that and how they're leveraging certain technologies, I think that bleeds over into others. And so um, I, I think that's kind of a model for other um, industries, not just, you know, with, you know, competing products or things like that, but even internally when we see products that overlay onto one another or can, can benefit one another or internal teams that can actually align for, for more, you know, cooperation and mutual benefit. I think that's something that uh, establishes a good model for us. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much, Abby. Cole and Ryan, Abby and Cole, or I'm sorry, Abby and Ryan specifically for jumping on and being our guests today. Uh, really appreciate your guys' time and your guys' insights. So at the Never Move podcast, we do a completely unrelated. So uh, all-time favorite fictional or semi-fictional sports team to stick with the sports theme of today's podcast. So Cole, I'll let you start because I, I just imagine the amount of analysis and thought you put behind this <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's, it's, it's difficult because there's a lot of ways to go with this. I'm a hockey fan, so I could go with, like, the Charlestown Chiefs from Slapshot. I could go with the Mighty Ducks. I could go with the um, underrated Hawks from the Mighty Ducks, who really should have won. I mean, it's all, all things considered. But um, I would have to go uh, with a little bit of a wild card and say the Cobra Kai Dojo and Karate Kid. 
all time. <laughs> oh, nice. I mean, we don't traditional, wow. traditional, like top four sports here, you know? There you go. <laughs> Incredible. Have you, you seen the Cobra Kai series on YouTube? Oh, no, I haven't, but I'm dying to because I've heard great things. But, you know, you would think quarantine would be a great time for that. But I'm looking for a less busy time to sit down and crush all of those at once. <laughs> Abby, how about you? There are memes about people like me who have not seen a lot of the classic uh, films or TV series like um, The Mighty Ducks, for example. I think I would go with The Titans. I watched Remember the Titans really on repeat constantly when I was a kid, but the soundtrack is pretty epic in that movie. So I will, I will choose it for the music. Uh, Cole, remember to take a note to make sure we delete any of Abby's uh, conversation during this podcast since she hasn't seen my ducks. <laughs> yeah, just uh, white out over it. Uh, and, and we're calling the Remember the Titans fictional. This is just disappointing to me on multiple levels, Abby. Yeah. <laughs> the research here is really subpar. Uh, <laughs> Ryan, how about you? Well, since we spent a lot of time talking about basketball, um, I'd be remiss if it wasn't the Monstars or the Toon Squad. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, going back to my childhood, you know, and this is aging me, but um, the Gas House Gorillas or the Teetotalers from uh, Looney Tunes. I don't know if, if either of you or any of you remember those, um, but no. that was always a soft spot. But uh, I, I think I have to land with South Central Louisiana State University Mud Dogs uh, with their captain, <laughs> Bobby Boucher. <laughs> oh that is great i uh i i feel like mine is going to be the lamest of them all uh and i'm just uh i just can't wait for hopefully my wife won't listen to this because she'll just make fun of me but i think i think i gotta go with the dylan panthers of friday night lights <laughs> I, I think uh kyle chandler just great a great coach um cheesy for sure but I mean, they won state how many times in a very short amount of time in Texas? You know, with, with most of us being in Indiana, I was a little disappointed nobody brought up Hickory Hoosiers. I was waiting for Ryan to. Uh, <laughs> Why is that me? <laughs> I went Toon Squad. That's, that's my basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, as always, you guys can reach out to us at InTheClouds at LevDigital.com for any questions, topic requests, um, and the like. Please subscribe and listen, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.